Welcome to episode 195 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right guys, so welcome along to episode 195 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm very good, thanks. John, John's actually in his house today. I'm in Auckland and I'm up here doing some work, so we're doing a Skype kind of show today. But you'll hear lots of sounds and it sounds like John's in a bit of a war zone. And I am. It's war around here. <laughs> She's war. Kelly's yeah. <laughs> running all over the place and might hear Thomas banging on the door in a moment, but uh, yeah, can you it's all me? good. Can you see me? I have to put myself on the video. I haven't got the video going. Oh, oh yes, I have now. Would you like Would you like me to get my video going yeah, too? Yeah, because then I can yeah. like look at you and feel connected. Okay. Start my video. Here Start we go. Video. Here he comes. Here he comes. Wait a second. Is he here yet? And I am talk is proudly brought to you by <laughs> CoffeesofHawaii.com. for the world's best coffee. Enter the discount code I am talk at checkout. And athletes.com. Social network for endurance athletes for tracking your results. And oh, here yeah. he is. Look at that. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Results. Your looks a bit tidier than mine. Yeah, well, it's because the hotel and someone cleans it for me. <laughs> and lastly, our last sponsor is please get us a sponsor. <laughs> That's right. We need a third sponsor now. We need to get back in the game. Oh, it's all good, mate. Okay, then. So this week's show, we've got a bit of news. We've got an age group of the week, a website of the week. Coach's Corner is a little bit interesting, which I had a read of. And lastly, questions and answers. What's Coach's Corner is on? I'm going to do a little bit of just uh, my experiences so far with barefoot running. It's a real hot topic at the moment, so I just thought I would share what I've been working with with athletes and what I've been doing myself. But it's the new black, isn't it? It is very, the very new black. Yeah, it's all good. Very, very dark black. <laughs> dark, dark black. News is brought to you by xtry.com. Check out xtry for the latest news, reviews, and interviews with the stars. But first of all, first piece of news is Camp Poland last week of January. I actually put a typo in there. I just realised that it's actually yeah. the last week of June. So I'm not, I'm not, it hasn't been and gone. Because I was thinking uh, it's like last week. Yeah, no, it hasn't happened. I'm, I'm here in Christchurch, but uh, if anybody's keen to do a sort of epic-style camp, it's probably not um, quite the same as epic, but it's pretty full-on. Uh, if you want to come over to Poland, had, a, had um, Rob Palmer over there this year checking it out. Just make sure you bring your passports uh, <laughs> so you don't get busted at passport at, uh, at control going into Belarus. Uh, but it's good, good camp, nice to stay in one location for, for a week and do some, um, some pretty long training. Um, Ability-wise, if you're you know anywhere sort of under about probably eleven and a half hours, um, should be fine. We're going to have uh, support vehicles, so if people are a little bit slower, um, they'll be okay. We have, we have two groups rolling, but there'll be space for I think there'll be about nine of us in total if everybody comes. Um, if, if we get a few extra people coming along, there's about five Polish guys, uh, four Polish guys, me, and we've got sort of space for four or five others. So if you're keen, it's going to be. Um, Last week of June, uh, just pop me an email and um, I can fill you in with details. And it's pretty good training. You've been doing this for a few years now, haven't you? Oh, yeah, it's good. I mean, you're going from one, one central spot. Um, this year, you're doing it a little bit later than normal. So there's a lake which is like 50 metres from the house we stay at and uh, all the riding is good. It's relatively flat. Um, but the roads are good, relatively quiet, uh, and it's just you're just out in the wilderness, and uh, yeah, it's just good times. Good times. Okay. Well, next piece of news. That was more of an advertisement than news, John. But I'll give it to you. That's <laughs> good. <laughs> uh, John Duke to go to Iron Man. Now, to be honest, I didn't actually know much about John Duke. So you don't want to give us a bit of a fill in on this one? Well, he was the man that really brought Triathlete Magazine. Um, to, to where it's at these days, you know, it's, it's you know, most of us would argue it's the best uh, best English speaking uh, magazine about. It has some really good articles in it. It's got a lot of advertising in it now. But basically, he brought it from being a loss making venture to being a very very profitable magazine. And obviously, now it's been taken over by the competitor group. Um, did, and and did he get the boot? I was having a quick look on So Twitch, and it looks as though they kind of pushed him out, did they? Or maybe I'm reading into it too much. <clears throat> 
I'm not too sure about that. It did look a little bit that way, but I'm not quite sure. But he's been there for a very, very long time, so he's a you know, really influential guy. Um, <clears throat> but it's all a pretty tight-knit family there, and, uh, and so now he's joined up with Iron Man. And it looks like he's really going to be leading the charge in terms of their online delivery through Ironman.com and their race coverage. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens there because uh, I think he quoted, he was saying, and I agree with him, that you know, the Ironman live coverage is really is a sleeping giant. They do a fantastic job on the Kona race day coverage, but for all their other races, you know, it's a, it's a bit hit and miss. The, the text coverage is very, very um, up and down depending on what race you're going to, so I, I think there's a massive potential for them to make really good money and, and deliver a fantastic service for, for the Ironman junkies out there, so it'll be really interesting to see what he does. I think, as he said, it's a, the potential for that to make them money and for, for, for really bringing a lot more people into Ironman and, and watching you know, live coverage, I think the potential is huge. I'd be interested to know um, what the cost of putting something like the Ironman one on, I mean like Kona on, the actual cost of the day for the Ironman live, because it can't be cheap. Oh, it'd be huge. You know, I mean, you know, the amount of bandwidth they're using up there, it must be massive. And, um, I don't, you know, their, their production crew in terms of their presenters probably doesn't cost them crazy amounts of money because they're all sort of ex-triathletes and they're part of sort of the Ironman group yeah. and, and most of them are sort of Ironman employees. But I'm sure in terms of all the behind-the-scenes work, <clears throat> it must be huge. I mean, we've been when we were in Konya, you saw how many cameras were about and, and, and all the just all the hoopla that goes with it. So it would be big, but I don't see any reason why they shouldn't be able to recoup that through sponsorship and yeah. um, and figuring out a way to make money out of it through advertising. Yeah, totally. Okay, Challenge Barcelona news. So over the last couple of few months, we've been lots of emails from people who have, um, and we did mention this earlier on, about people who had joined up to do the Barcelona Challenge in 2010, but had signed up at the wrong website. And there seems to have been a few issues going on, and they're actually currently in court. Uh, Felix is up against the race organisers of the event from last year, isn't he? Yeah, so yeah, I think this just gives a bit of clarification for everybody, and it's the first time we've actually seen anything written out there in, the, in, in terms of the news and what's going on. So if you want to check that out, go to slowtwitch.com. It explains pretty clearly what's going on. The, the organisers from last year are not paying out um, prize money to the, to the athletes that, that won the race last year, um, and also they have... Uh, doesn't seem like they've met their obligations in terms of other payments as well. So Felix is taking them to court. He's got a new organiser for this year all set up and, and lined up. So if you want to enter that race, really important that you go to challenge-barcelona.es. That's the official website. Yeah. The other website, I think it's challenge-barcelona.com, is the old organisers. They still seem to be collecting money. Um, so just make sure you don't go there and uh, the race is, is going ahead, but make sure you go to the challenge-barcelona.es. Yes. It's saying in the article, or at least Felix was saying in the article, that um, he can't actually pay the pros at the moment until the court case is done. Like he would, I think if Felix had his way, he'd probably just pay the money. But in the mm -hmm. article, he's saying he can't do that because then the, the evolution, that's the other company, will say, well, he knows that he's meant to be doing this. So mm -hmm. he has to wait for the court case to go through. So all the pros are wondering kind of where their money is. But um, yeah, it's a really interesting situation, isn't it? It is, and yeah, it's, it's a couple of the comments in that article were sort of saying that the, the, the organisers previously didn't have a great reputation, so you know, it's, you've got to say that maybe Felix perhaps didn't do the homework that he should have done in terms of making sure he had a really yeah. sturdy and, and robust partner to work in there with, so you know, perhaps his bad a little bit there, Bevan. The ongoing things of you know, like if you're going to franchise out a brand like this, you, I suppose you do have to do your research on who you're kind of getting to bed with because, um, you know, the same like, thing happened in New Zealand, yeah, same um, thing happened in New Zealand, didn't it? Over the first challenge, so yeah, I think you've got to be super, super careful who you go to bed with, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should tell your kids that one too, John. Yeah. I know. Uh, <laughs> uh we've got results for coming up from all this, results from. Uh, how do you always say that wrong? How do you say that? I'm pretty sure it's Poussin, but I could be wrong. It's a okay. 70.3 Poussin, which is, um, which is in South America. I think it's uh, I think it's Argentina, but I could be could be wrong there. So yeah, we've only already got 70.3 results for the next month or so until we get into uh, Ironman Lankawi comes up sort of late February, and we've also got Ironman New Zealand coming up. So Amanda Lovato took that out on the girls' side of things at 4:36 from Heather Golnick and Teresa Marcel. Um, pretty reasonably close racing, 4.36, then 4.38, and then a bit of a gap back to 4.46. And on the men's side of things, Bevan? Uh, where is it? You tell me. 
down the bottom, Ronaldo Colucci, Colucci. took it out. Uh, 3.52, he, he, three of them came off the bike together. There was Colucci, Daniel Fontana and Oscar Galindez and uh, Colucci managed to pull away in the, the later stage of the run from Fontana to get uh, second and Oscar Galindez, who's won that race quite a few times, third in 3.58. Nice, and we have another result here. Um, Israel Man, what happened there? Oh, I didn't double-check that to see if the uh, results are up there or not. So you keep talking, Bevan, as you, as you often say to me. And, oh, uh, well, um, I've been doing aerobics this week. It's going really well. I'm doing my big presentation tonight, and, I, and I'm, on, I'm on form, John. I'm delivering. You're on form? Yeah. What's uh, your presentation on? Uh, oh, no, no, it's a class. But we've got the big film crew. We have, like, six film crew, and it's all high-level high, high level stuff. But by now, yeah. you, you should be ready, and sometimes you're not, and you're kind of shitting your pants. But today, I'm ready. And my nice. pants are clean, so good. Can I feel the time? Good, uh, just about. And uh, what else is happening? Uh, not it's much. Loading. Not much else, really. It's, it's, I'm going to go watch Avatar 3D today. I went and watched it a few weeks ago, not in 3D because I stuffed up when I bought the tickets. But today, I'm going to go 3D IMAX, and I'm looking forward to doing that. Nice. Have you seen Avatar? I have not seen Avatar. No. Do you want to see it 3D? Uh, Oh, it's in, oh, no, here we go. Uh, oh, I would like to see it, yes, Bill. Okay. Yes, okay. yes. Okay, uh, quite a bit of this is in uh, Israeli, but I think I can get through it. So first place in 9 hours and 24 minutes with a 53-minute swim, 5 hour 40 on the bike, and a good solid 2.51 on the run. Gilad Rotem was first. Second, who was last year's winner. I'm not sure. I think he must be from Israel, I think. Um, second from Switzerland, Conrad Van Von Alem. And third from Germany, Sebastian Hoer. Interesting to see a few people travelling for that race. So that was on the guy's side of things. And I don't think I'm going to be able to distinguish the girls. It looks like they had this quality podcasting. 50 finishes in the full. <laughs> 50 finishes in the full Ironman. Very good. After last week's show, mate, the only way is up, I tell you. <laughs> the only way is up, baby. baby. See, it just keeps getting better. Yeah. Okay, so the other big, big piece of news this week, and we got quite a few emails through about this one, was Yvonne Van Vlerken, um in the World Duathlon Champs, apparently... No, did... no, well, it wasn't the World Duathlon Champs, it was the Lanzarote International Duathlon. Oh, okay, sorry. Um, apparently did a little bit of cheating, and from what I can tell, now I haven't seen the video myself, but she pretty much got someone to draft her in the last 5k of the run. Is that right? No, I thought it was a bike. Okay, bike. Get, okay. get, your, get your facts right. Well, I, I, it, it yeah. just... Well, the reason why I put this in there, it's just, I, I haven't seen any video footage or anything like that, but we talked to Yvonne and her partner about this, and had, I imagine that's who the issue was with um, in the race. Her partner is, is an athlete as well, and he's a competitive athlete. He's about the same as Yvonne in terms of um, ability-wise, and he says he goes way, way, way out of his way to avoid being racing with her in terms of uh, being in the same part of the race, but sometimes they just end up together. And I, the reason why I wanted to bring this story up is I just find it horrific the comments people put on blogs anonymously and just can't stand up uh, and use their proper name if they want to slag somebody off. They just go under some alias. And she just got ripped into people saying she's a, an effing disgrace to her country and all what have you. And I guarantee none of those people were probably even there. They probably didn't even see what was going on. And from my experience with her and her defense was uh, in road and I rode with her for over, over for about 100 kilometres and she rode completely clean. The opportunity to draft was always there, um, riding with about three or four of us and uh, she was you know, consistently on the front and, and if uh, she got overtaken she would always uh, you know, make sure she stays out of the draft zone. But the reality is in, in crowded races and stuff you are sometimes going to be in the draft zone. If you happen to go past a crowd um, and if somebody's just passed you or you go through an aid station you may well be in the draft zone. And I would imagine that's what happened. It would have been you know, reasonably close but the reality is at the elite end of racing for the clueless people out there that, um, that often criticise others is you're going to be riding in bunches and you're going to be very, very close to the, the draft zone infringement. You, you take the, you know, the, the rules to the limit. You don't draft, but you, you, know, you take them to the limit and, uh, and I imagine that's what she was doing and people just got stuck into her. So it, was, it was disgraceful, Bevan. Well, it is, it is true. Like, I, I don't know if she cheated or not because I haven't actually seen the footage myself, but maybe she did. So if she did, this, you know, it's poor racing. And um, 
and it's disappointing for the person who got second because apparently it did come down to a run at the end. But I did, I did, I did, I kind of, you know, like in life, I, I try to teach my daughter to be the better person, you know, in situations where people do things wrong, don't become ugly. And, and it is, people mm. are just, just ugly. Oh. It was just disgraceful. It's horrible. And, and you just read it and you're thinking, what makes people, A, care enough to be turn themselves into this? You know, like it was just, yeah. it was just, you just read it and you just thought to yourself, Wow, that's really really disappointing, and you know, and that's, yeah. and you know, like if Yvonne had, had cheated, the way to go on the website is to say, "Wow, Yvonne, I, I really respect you as an athlete, and I'm, I feel you've let yourself down, and you've, it really, I'm really disappointed in you." It's kind of what you do as a parent, isn't it? You, you don't, you yeah. don't your kids. You go to your kid, you go to Tyler, learn, look, Tyler, I'm really disappointed in this behaviour, and, and that's kind of the attitude you want to have. You don't yell at them and call them idiots and swear at them and. Uh, and and I, I kind of just wondered about the people's character who are actually writing on the website. You know, it's it's one thing about the internet is that people seem to just because, as you say, you don't put your name to things. People have to, you know, they just go overboard on on the way they criticise others, and it's yeah. it's it's kind of sad. I actually read a book. I read a book called um, The Winner's Bible. Have you heard of that? No. Oh, it's quite a popular book at the moment called The Winner's Bible, and it's this guy who. Um, is an, an advisor to Formula One, and he he's kind of reckons he's got this formula that makes people mentally strong, and and the book's got some really good stuff. But the guy in it does kind of kind of come across as though he's got a pretty big ego, and so I went on Amazon and wrote a review, but I put my name on it, you know, and I wrote that I kind of had the issues yeah. with the book, and but I put my name on it to say, you know, I've got issues. Here are the issues. These are the things to be yeah. aware of, and here's my name. And you know, I think when you put your name to things, there's a lot more credibility to it. But exactly. know, guys, be the better person. Don't be an idiot. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. So anyway, but right, let's, let's get off our high horses. Well, you know, we're so we're so perfect, John. So <laughs> exactly, we're just we're just perfect. We'll never do anything wrong. Oh, that's right. Oh, praise the Lord. Anyway, uh, hot topic for the week, John. What was it? Predictions for 2010. And we need people to pick up your game because it was pretty weak this week. Okay. Well, I haven't even pulled it up, so you keep talking. It was pretty weak. So, first up, uh, Matt Clayton. He said, Terenzo to end Cameron Brown's streak at Taupo. Sad, but highly likely. Um, and then next week's lotto numbers, 12, 26, 3, 18, 6, and 31. Uh, ignore them at your peril. And then finally, he said, me to do PBs and half marathon sprint tries and half Ironman and drop 8 kgs. Yeah, bring it on. So, so the question I have is, do you think Terenzo will take out Cam? Um, if it comes down to the run, I'd say no. Uh, I, just, I really don't know. I just think it's a real 50-50 call, I'd say. They're very, very close. But if I was going to bet on it, I would say Brownies take it. But won't be surprised if Terenzo takes it either. How, what do you think? Harold's Brownie now? Um, Brownie must be about 36, 30, I'd say about 36. 36. Yeah. Maybe going on, going on 37, I would have thought. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The thing is, Brownie's got to get some, some upper chair because of his experience in New Zealand. Like, the man owns the race, and he's been under pressure before. And Terenzo, yeah, it's hard. To, yeah, it's a hard one, isn't it? It's going to be a pretty good race, I reckon. Yeah, I, just, I haven't seen Terenzo put in that amazing run yet in an Ironman. Yeah, he ran... Steady at, at Kona, um, didn't run that well at uh, at Germany from memory. You know, not not blitzing fast. You know, and Brownie consistently can always run a mid to low two forty at Taupo if he needs to. So, is Trenzo a, a better cyclist? Uh, I would say uh, potentially in a one on one situation he, he could be, and he and he sometimes goes for it on the bike. Um, so, I think you know if, if you see them come out of the swim together, I think Cam would. Most likely hang on, hang on to them, unless Terenzo really put the um, the axe down. Uh, but Terenzo could potentially get away from Cannon's swim, I think. Well, and, and then I suppose it really depends on what kind of biking field's like. If you had someone like Kieran Doe there, who I'm not sure is doing the race, mm-hmm. but oh no, Doe is doing the race, isn't he? So you've got someone like Kieran Doe. If, if uh, he can pull away and Terenzo yep. can get on his, you know, on his wheel, it could be an interesting race. Just um, uh, Rich Asher isn't racing, but that would have added a real another dimension to you know for somebody coming from behind as well. Yeah, nice. Okay, uh, I can't read Athletics, so you have to read the next one, John. Scott Connolly, um, after a fourth place and a half, Bevan to pick up the training and work towards Ironman New Zealand and finish in the top three. Yeah. Heard it here first. Yeah. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah, I had, I had a good day, but not that good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uh, next one, Craig Brighthouse. Had a bit of communication there with Craig. I've, I've emailed 
TriVise for you and you're going to get your stuff sorted out, so don't worry about that. Uh, and for, secondly, Richard asked you to go top five in Dubai and top ten in Hawaii. Uh, top five in Dubai, who knows, depends, kind of depends on who's racing, but I think he's going to struggle with not riding with the group because uh, he's a weak swimmer and the guys that will be going there will be really strong swimmers. Okay. Top ten in Kona. Oh, no, we're just thinking, if anything, it seems like a bit of a silly race for him, you know, like, because it is, it's a biker's race, a swim biker's race, and you kind of think that if he's going to choose to do a race, he wants to do one where he can use his running to his advantage. That's, that's true, but he does have some Dubai connections in terms of some of the other races that he's done over there, and I remember him saying to me, um, I think it might have been last year's Coast to Coast, that uh, for his, his honeymoon, Elena and his wife, she, he's got a, I think she's from Finland, um, his Finnish wife and him went over there and got put up in that that incredible hotel over there. It's yep. like a seven-star hotel yep. um, just because they'd gone over and done some race and met one of the sheiks and he said, I oh, just come over and they got to stay there for a week. And oh, really? So he's got some connections over there. So that might be part of the reason yep. um, for doing that. He also, this uh, Craig also there says Richard I should go top 10 in, in Kona. I don't think that is completely out of the question if he raced the way he didn't race. Um, I never think he'll be in the top um, three or, or possibly not in the top five, but I think he could potentially run himself into the top ten um, if he ran the same way that he did in, in Roche. Um, but again, because he's a weaker swimmer, I think he will never get himself into contention um, to, to win that race. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Chris, okay. uh, a couple, couple more. Yeah, Chrissy to recover and win Hawaii again. I think that's pretty much a given. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Teresa and I New Zealand. Oh, there you go. Someone did predict that I would go to the next level with Joe. You, you missed that one, yes. John. That was that was the last one. And, yeah. And, and uh, you know what? I must say, and that was with Brett Whiteley, wasn't it? It was with Brett Whiteley. He's a bit featuring of a wise, a bit today's show. He's a bit of a wise man, old Brett, because we are talking about moving in together, John. So I'm just just putting it out there. Just putting it out and there. Also, and he's also saying John gets a new sponsor, a face moisturising company. Okay, John, here's a good question I've got, for you. I've got, I've got standards. If they came to you for a million dollars and said, look, we want you to be our new representative for the triathlon world, would you do it? Yeah, I'd say <laughs> as long as I'm endorsing it under uh, you know, conditions when, you, when, when it is appropriate sometimes to use our facial products, but only uh, you know, in the appropriate situation. Beautiful. But okay. if it was a million dollars, they might be able to just tweak my arm just slightly. <laughs> Okay, this week's question comes from Andrew Winter. And Andrew was basically saying, this good old young Andrew Winter did the press-ups with me, what would be harder, a normal IMM race or doing two 70.3s back-to-back on the same day? So basically maybe do one 70.3 in the morning, have a couple hours off, and then do another one in the afternoon. How would the second yeah. one go? I, 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 I'm just going to rephrase. I, I'd say basically doing it back-to-back. So you're doing oh, no, it back to back, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and, and so there's no, we can have a bit of a break after the first run, but um, yeah, which would be harder and which would be faster? That, that would be really interesting. Yeah, it would be interesting, wouldn't it? It's amazing no yes, one's it's done it. Surely someone has. I imagine they have. I think it'd be really cool, but um, let's, let's save our comments until next week. Okay, John, you've got to put that on the website, remember? Yes, I will. That's your job. Okay. Um, one, two, three. Ace Grouper of the Week. Grouper of the Week. Bit of reverb there. Was good. So, uh, I'll tell you one thing we did last week, Bevan, for the first time ever, and, and I will take the rap for this. Um, we, we had an Age Grouper of the Week who has already been Age Grouper of the Week. Oh, that's your fault. That is my fault. So, last week's Age Grouper was Andrew Black, who was the first placed. Um, age group athlete that challenged Wanaka, and he had previously been age group of the week, so he must be pretty good. He must have a good coach who advises him on, on training matters. So, AKA John Newsom. That's right. But that, we've got to, we've got to make sure you know we live in a fair world, Bevan. And yep. last week we gave it to the first male finisher in Challenge Wanaka, 2010. This week it goes to the first female athlete at Challenge Wanaka, and I'm just going to bring Amanda up the results. Till. Amanda Till from where's she from, John? She's from Auckland. Great. And I've got a few. Uh, I'm just pulling up, trying to find the results. Pay. Here we go. She swam. Uh, she was eighth out of the swim with a looks like a 106.47. I can't even read my own bloody computer, Bevan. That's uh, it's not looking good. 106.47. Um, bit of a weak first transition. Only 19th fastest with six minutes and 43. Six minutes. Yeah, but it looks like all the times are, are pretty slow. You know the. The four four forty was seventh place, so yeah, it looked like it must have been a long transition. 
bike um, of 5.43.11, for eighth fastest ride um, out of all the females. So it's pretty solid for that course. Again, a weak second transition, 5.09, and then uh, just good steady run, 11th fastest run, 4.08. Finished seventh overall, and there's six pros in front, and 11.10.25. And uh, for our good deeds, um, the winners of the, I'm not sure of all the age group divisions, but I know that Andrew Black got one for winning the 30 to 39 men, was uh, you get a, an entry into Challenge Road. So, oh, really? Yeah, so you got to make the, the trip across Europe. But what makes this match um, a little more interesting is her first triathlon was only in the Rotorua half in December, um, and this was her first iron distance race. Wow. So she said she had a great swim and a river bike, but struggled like hell in the last sort of 10, 15 k's of the run. Welcome to Iron Man. That's what I'm going to say about that one. That's right. It was all going so good until 30k mark. How many times do you hear that? Oh, yeah. Every week. <laughs> you should make out like you're a mind reader. You can make money from this, John. The thing I, I, I think, um, one thing they did in a half is that if you won your age group in a half, you got a free entry to the full challenge you want to look at next year. It's quite a good thing. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing about Amanda is she works for a fantastic company in Avanti. Oh, okay, great. Because, again, that's what you don't need, John. There's a slight connection there. <laughs> Love your work. Anyway, okay. standing to first, first iron distance race, second only ever triathlon to take out your age group. Granted, it's not the world's fastest time down there, but it's a slow course uh, and it's very, very solid. So she's considering going on and doing road this year. Okay, so Amanda Till, you are our age grouper of the week. Oh, we timed that one well. Okay, let's see if we can time this one well. Ready? One, two, three. Do you have any music in, or are you going to do that when we're, when we're done? Oh, I don't know if I'll put music on. Probably not, because it takes time, and I'm busy. Think, yeah, we've got to pair the show, though, Evan. Well, no, we've got, we're about to be up to 30 minutes now. We're over 30 minutes, and you're going to do your barefoot okay, running. Man. Oh, we're sweet. Okay. <laughs> Website of the week. Good. Okay. Right. Good old Brett Whiteley, the, the predictor I'm going to call him, because he did predict that Joe and I go to the next level, and uh, I think he may be right. That's right. So Brett was very, very pleased uh, that we were offering extra points for athletes uh, on Epic Camp and uh, for, for doing their blogging. So he was on there regularly reading the blogs, and, uh, and we had a lot of guys blogging daily on Epic Camp, and uh, it certainly brought a lot more traffic to the, to the site and got, got people involved. Um, but one of the themes of today's uh, show is going to be about barefoot running, and uh, if you're interested in finding out a bit more about the, the science of this, can, can you hear Thomas running yeah. up and down upstairs? The war zone's happening He's, again, yeah. The war zone's happening. Uh, when we came back from Epic Camp, we had uh, a number of little orange cones, you know, like you have at races, and yep. um, whenever I go to a race or if I'm organising a race, Thomas usually comes along and helps my dad pick up cones and stuff. So Thomas upstairs now has laid out cones and he basically runs up and down our house uh, having running races and I have to help him with the running races. So nice. anyway, that's a, that's a noise you can hear in the background. It's Thomas training <clears throat> for the uh, 20, uh, probably about 2020 Games, Olympic Games, wherever they're going to be. Nice. But anyway, um, back to back to Brett. Uh, he's referenced an article here that we'll put a link to up on the site. It's barefootrunning.fs.harvard.eu/html, um, and it basically is a, a scientific article uh, explaining in, in pretty plain English what is going on um, with barefoot running and the difference between uh, heel striking forefoot striking, midfoot striking, and it goes through. It's got quite a few little video clips, got quite a few pictures of, uh, say, Kenyan athletes running barefoot, and it just gives you a good background. Um, and not, it's not over, you know, it's it's relatively straightforward and, and easy to read article. So if you're keen to find out a bit more about um, <clears throat> the science behind barefoot running, uh, this one comes from a you know, reputable place in Harvard University. Mm-hmm. I, I started reading it before the show, and it did look pretty interesting. I will go back and read the whole thing. It's interesting to see because I thought the problem would be the the concrete surface, and they're saying that even on the harder surfaces, it's still better for you. Mm, well, we'll go into that in a moment, but yeah, it's uh, it is. It, I think it's about a you know it's a good seven eight pages long, but quite a few pictures and stuff in it. And some of the stuff you can you know skim over in terms of um, it has you know readings in terms of how much spring you get from your from your feet and how much um, how much load you're putting down running versus uh, running in shoes and uh, heel striking, etc. So, um, yeah, check it out. 
Nice. Thanks, Brett, for contributing to the show. Love your work, Brett. Okay, um, Coach's Corner, John, do the intro. Coach's Corner. So the thing I suppose is, is that it seems to be getting a lot of PR at the moment, this whole barefoot running, you know, like it's on the, it's in the mainstream media, everyone's talking about how running shoes are, you know, such a bad thing for you and, you know, we need to be careful, don't we? It's, it's, you know, just don't want to go take it rid of your shoes to go out barefoot running, do you? Got to be extremely careful with this. Um, I, I think I might have to see this before, but I talked to a, um, a very, very well-known um, uh, New Zealand coach who has um, run at the Olympics for, for marathoning and, and coached Olympic athletes as well. And um, yeah, he was saying his experience so his experience with it when he's tried it with a few athletes, uh, high-level athletes, is uh, they got injured very, very quickly. And yeah. um, so it is something you need to be extremely careful careful with um, and, and you need to build in very, very slowly uh, to, to some extent it is the right thing for everybody but it's for some people it's going to take a long time to build into it, it may be that you are not able to to run uh, barefoot uh, ever but you may just be able to transition your daily life to to, to, to wearing uh, or to not wearing shoes as much as possible that may have some some benefits for you so this really what I'm going to go through here is, is not so much the science behind it um, it's more just my experience with it so far as an athlete and, and how I've been working it in with the athletes that I coach um, and so far it's been um, been really positive but I just want to stress again, you've got to be very, very cautious and it's just so variable for, for different people in terms of how quickly you can get into it. You know, someone like myself and, and, and other people that I know, I, I don't wear shoes very much um, at all during the day uh, and, and I've done that for you know my whole, for a large part of my life so I've been able to make the transition pretty, pretty easily and, and haven't had any injury issues from it. If you have someone who's been wearing you know, big chunky shoes all your life, or you wear high heels, you know, for the last twenty years, of your life, and I know Bevan's been wearing the high heels for a long time, so yeah, you know great. the transition for Bevan would, would be a lot more difficult. Um, so you've really got to factor that in. I suppose the one question before we actually get into this is: is the ultimate goal for everybody to be back and be a feet? Well, I think having a barefoot that their training, I think, will be really beneficial, uh, and I think. Yeah, and a number of the things we're going to go through is, you know, I think it reduces the risk for injury and it reduces the risk for overstriding, reduces the, the the risk of overriding. So to answer your question, I would say my current thinking is uh, I would like to see most people getting this way and, and for the next generation for kids coming through, um, definitely think uh, the less they can wear shoes, the better. And as I mentioned a little bit later on, the one area I sort of have a lot of um, experience in is, as you said, running on concrete, um, not in barefoot, but with minimalist shoes. Uh, it's not something I've done enough research in to be really comfortable with yet, you know, because the reality is 90% of our races are going to be on concrete, um, and just how our feet react to that uh, is still to be confirmed for me. Yep, okay. Um, okay, so first of all, why barefoot running, John? Why, why, why do you think it's important? Well, I think probably the, a few, the few key things are, um, it, help, as I said, it helps you to get a better foot strike. Um, lots and lots of athletes uh, that I see um, overstride, and that's just across the board from beginners to intermediates to elites. Um, at a recent camp I did with juniors, um, yeah, we did video analysis on all of them, and the majority of them were either just getting their foot underneath their body, or they were um, over-striding. Uh, very, very common, and it's probably the the, the, you know, the first change I make with a lot of people. So over-striding is when you foot your heel plants first, and it lands in front of your centre of gravity. So it puts a lot of force through your legs. It also slows your momentum down, and you've got to get back over your foot to, to keep on rolling so it's uh, slowing you down and it's um, in many cases it's increasing the risk of injury um, to, a lot of the time when you see people with stress fractures, shin splints etc it's often because they are overstriding um, and you can make some changes there so just by taking your shoes off and then running you just you just don't land on your on your heels. If you do, you know about it really really quickly, and you automatically go to a um, more of a midfoot or a flat foot landing. Or in, in, in a lot of cases with like the Kenyan athletes, they have four foot um, landings. So it just helps you to teach about teach you to get a better foot strike. And um, yeah, so, so, uh, and, so and, and just go ahead. I was just so you're saying that basically by taking your shoes off and you're going barefoot, your feet doesn't extend so far. Your, your leg doesn't extend so further just because you're landing on a different part of your foot. 
And yeah, it just it feels very, very uncomfortable if you try to land on your on your heel. Um, and that article that Brett sent through, if you look at that one actually, because you've got that um, when you've got the shoe on, if you actually have a, a forefoot running just by having the shoe, you'll actually have a midfoot um, landing just because of all the you know the the built up area underneath your foot. So to answer your question, yes, uh, really. Oh. It just you know, I've done it with a lot of people. If if they just the, the, the heel striker to take their shoes off, and they automatically seem to revert to more of a midfoot, flat-footed landing. So um, yeah, it seems to work that way. Nice. Okay. Probably the, the second key thing um, that, that takes a bit of time is to it actually strengthens your feet, which can uh, you know reduce the risk of injury. A lot of the injuries people have, you know, plantar fasciitis, um, lower limb injuries are often because your feet have been built up in big clunky shoes for, for so long. And uh, so a lot of the research at the moment is showing that um, by doing having a barefoot component to either your training or just your everyday life just gets all the different bones and muscles in your feet working a bit more and um, and certainly can, can reduce the risk of injury. But, um, as we've mentioned, it can be a bit of a catch-22 um, process because uh, by going into barefoot, you, you do initially reduce the increase of injury, uh, the incidence of injury quite significantly in that adaption period. But it's like that with a lot of things. You know, We do um, some plyometric training with um, the group I do on Monday nights, especially over winter, and it's a bit of a hurdle you have to sort of get over. You know, it's like initially you can get injured from doing it while you get it, while you adapt to it, yeah. but once you sort of get over that hurdle, um, it's really, really beneficial for yeah. you. So you've just got to just take this really slowly and just slowly work your, work your way into it. And if you get any um, injuries or niggles, you, know, you back off and then you just slowly build it up again later on and, and, um, and just, just have that adaption. So number three, you're saying it feels good? Oh, sorry. feels fantastic. You know, if you... Um, it's it's like when you if you go running with uh, go doing a long run and you, you know you have your your fuel belt on or you've got a couple of you know running with at least a, you know a nice full bottle and if you take that off and then you start running you, you feel like you're, you're floating away and the same thing happens when you when you're barefoot running. Um, I typically try to, uh, at the end of workouts as part of the warm down. Because when you put your shoes back on um, to, to maybe do the, the main component of your running or, or running home on, on road and stuff, you, you feel really clunky, and that's just because of the, the weight factor there. Yeah. So it feels fantastic, but it does feel crappy when you put your shoes back on. Um, so and getting that feeling and that understanding of how you're supposed to run and just being a bit lighter um, is a big part of training, and I think that's a, a problem a lot of people often have is they get so wound up and carried away with, the, the training prescription of, of what intensity they're doing every single session at, they often forget about the, the technique and, and, and actually getting a feeling of what they're supposed to be doing. So I think this is a, it's a really good help in that. And finally, it's just a nice way to, to vary your training a bit as well. Um, yeah, we're, you know, training to sometimes can, can become um, a little bit boring, and this is just another one of the tools that you can use just to keep a little bit of variation in the training, a bit like when you're at the pool. You know, you've got your pool boy, your paddles, your, your fins, your kickboard, and you can do dive starts, you can do open water swimming. This is just another way we can slightly vary the training. Okay, so you've got here stages. How long do you spend in each stage? varies considerable, so don't rush it. So what are you saying I'm talking about here? So, yeah, as I mentioned, um, there's no hard and fast rule about, you know, um, some people can go out and run, you know, 10, 20 minutes barefoot first day of this and, and not have any problems. Other people, they're going to just get really sore feet, sore calves um, just by walking around without any shoes on. So this is, um, you know, be conservative in what you're doing. Um, yeah, and the first really stage, conservative, eh? it, Yeah. Yeah. The first stage is just not to wear any shoes or, or as minimalist shoes as you can as often as possible. So when you're at home, um, no shoes. When you're inside, um, when you're outside as much as possible, no shoes. And uh, in, in your work situation, where possible, trying to, to get the most minimalist shoes that you can so your feet can really start working. Um, and you know, things like if, if you're able to wear things like Nike Freeze at work or, or you know, any sort of sandals that have got a lot of movement, basically you're just trying to get the maximum movement through your foot at all stages. So for most people, you know, I would just as a ballpark figure, I'd say do this for at least a month before you even consider going out and doing any barefoot running. Um, and for, as I said, for a lot of people, it may be that you wear 
no when you have no shoes on for like a year before you even start any barefoot running. If you're especially injury prone and you've had a lot of issues with um, pronation and always having to have your shoes built up, etc., etc., then you may be at this stage for a very, very long time. Um, stage two is, and this is what I do with the majority of the athletes that I work with, um, is to simply, as, as part of your warm down, um, start out by doing five minutes easy easy running and probably build that up to sort of towards 10 minutes just as part of your warm down a couple of times a week um, after maybe your, your harder workouts. Like last night I was uh, have a Monday night running group and uh, we did a set of intervals, and then we just did, um, I think, either eight, two or three laps of the tracks, so 800 or 1,200 metres, uh, just running on the grass um, as part of the warm-down. And it uh, feels good. And, uh, yeah, so that's how I would suggest you, you start out the, the running side of things, is to, to put it in, in your warm-down. Nice. And, and then another thing to, to work towards is um, just slowly working your way out of chunky running shoes. So if you're in a certain brand of, of shoes, ideally that would be Mizuno shoes, uh, you would work from being in what you're in now to slowly start moving through the models so you're into a slightly less chunk shoe, um, you know, bit by bit, and working towards being in a, uh, a fairly, you know, lightweight, um, lightweight shoe. And then finally... Um, you know, in terms of building it up, um, what I'm currently building towards is doing three runs of, per week um, of 20, min- 20 minutes barefoot running, um, and uh, and that's the way I'm sort of slowly building it up. I haven't sort of got beyond that stage myself, and I haven't got beyond that stage with any of the athletes that uh, that I work with. But <clears throat> so far, so far so good. Pretty much everybody is uh, enjoying it and uh, and feeling good about it, and uh, seem to be a little less injury prone. So when you're doing it, you know, you're doing these three times 20, are you keeping intensity in or is it just pretty much a light plod? That, um, at this stage, it's pretty easy running. Um, and that's so the unanswered stuff for me at this stage is uh, I haven't got, gone beyond that sort of 20 mark. Um, so I haven't got a lot of uh, you know, personal experience on, on how I react to that and how my body reacts in terms of going out and doing a, a long run in, um, in five fingers or, or barefoot. I haven't got the experience in that area yet. Um, and I think that would take a long, long time to build your feet up to be able to go out and do um, an hour and a half, two hour run with minimalist shoes on, um, I think would be would, would, would take quite a lot of work. And, and by that, I'm talking a couple of years, so I would have thought. Um, so I haven't got the experience in that area. The other area where I haven't really done a lot of work yet is to actually do interval work and in, in bare feet. Bare feet. Yeah. Um, so I don't see any issues with that, but for me at this stage, while I'm building up, while I'm building up with the athletes, it really has just been the, you know, either the warming up or just going out for an easy 20-minute run or, or warming down. Um, and that's, that's the areas that, that uh, I think is, is the safest way to start with. So ultimately for you, do you see yourself in a couple of years from now actually racing, you know, maybe with your five fingers or something on? I just don't know. I mean, the thing for me, I just don't know how I'm going to react um, to doing hard running on the concrete. Um, yeah. I would I would hope so, but I really just don't know. And I haven't seen anybody, uh, I haven't seen any writing out there yet that where they have been running in bare feet. So if you look at the, the Kenyans and, and so on, they, you know, look like they do all their racing marathons and stuff, it's still in racing flats where they do, um, I would imagine they do a lot of their training and, and bare feet and that's, that's the way they've been brought up, yet they still seem to race in shoes so uh, that's an unanswered question for me at this stage Okay, it's interesting, and so but what about surfaces you know, you obviously got to think about when you're first starting out you want to stay away from concrete, so you know obviously your grasses, your beach, your trails and stuff like that yeah, I mean, I find, personally, I find um, grass by far the best. Um, golf courses are usually pretty, pretty good and, and uh, a really nice surface to run on. Um, we've got nice grass tracks we can use here as well. Beaches and first thing, um, you want to have a reasonably firm um, surface under you there, but you've always got the issue when you're running on beach bits of wood and what have you so you may need some sort of five fingers or something like that and I had to be, I haven't really done much running on trails yet um, that's sort of the next stage for me to wear the five fingers and actually go and do a little bit of um, trail running and uh, see how that how hard that is on the feet in terms of running on stones and things like that so yeah my, if you're going to start Best, best way to start is on grass, but just do a little check first, obviously, to you know, make sure there's no glass and potholes and, and, and what have you. And so, um, you, so you got given, what is it, the Vibram five fingers a while ago. You've been using them for a couple of months now? 
Yeah, and and my, my by far and away my preference is to run with no shoes whatsoever. Um, but in a lot of situations, that's just not um, just not possible because uh, you get your feet cut up. Um, lots of the grass has prickles in it, so um, yeah, I've been using them quite a bit. Um, if you if you if you're looking into them. First thing you note is they look stupid, and uh, it's just. But if, I suppose if you if you if you're happy to go out there and wear stupid knee-high socks and look like a dork with them and wear lycra and what have you, I mean this is just taking it to a slightly next level. But they do look stupid. But hey, we all said that about um, knee-high socks and look how many people are wearing them now. So they do look funny. If you if you're not familiar with the, the vibrant five fingers, um, they basically have uh, it's like a webbed, um, sort of like a wetsuit material that covers you basically your foot on top and then it's just sort of got a really thin layer of rubber on the bottom and it basically is just acting as the most minimalist thing you can have to protect your feet from getting from getting cut up. And I've got a few different models you can um, you can get. If you want to go check them out, go to vibram5fingers.com and then they've got different country codes you can obviously go to from there. Um, one thing I would say is they've got a really good reputation um, in terms of, uh, they're only just coming to the fore in terms of barefoot running, but um, when I had uh, a guy around here the other day who was actually a, a rock climber, he was saying, oh yeah, if I, if I ever get uh, want to get some climbing shoes, I'll get Vibram. They've got a really good reputation in terms of their, their make, in terms of their the, the, the soles and stuff, so um, they have been around for quite a bit for, for a while, uh, and they've got a good reputation. The main thing is they feel really funny when you first start using them, and, and they still do for me as well, because um, they have, gives, have material between each toe, yeah. because they want you to feel as much as normal as it possibly does, so it's not like a normal shoe which just goes all the way around your toes, it actually goes in between each toe, a bit you know, like a webbed glove, and that feels really funny because it spaces your toes out, and uh, it's a bit unnerving when you first put them on, and they are reasonably difficult to get on because you've got to get your toes all lined up and then push them in, so yeah. it does ta- it's not something you can just, just chuck on, it does take one or two minutes to get on. So, so you ain't going to be a good transition ex- shoe? No, they would not be a very good transition shoe. Um, my... Uh, I've only run short distances in them concrete, like run two parks, and they, they seem good for that, um, but I haven't done any extended running on concrete in them. But, you know, as far as I'm concerned, um, best option is to try to go barefoot where you can, but if you can't go barefoot, these things these things are, um, are the next best thing, and uh, and they do feel fairly natural. The only thing is that sort of spreading of your toes a little bit that feels a bit strange, but there's no way around that. So um, thank you very much to Peter McLeod for, for sorting that uh, that out for me. If you go to vibram5fingers.com, um, you can get your ones of those picked up anywhere in the world just about, I think. And one thing I would say is they don't, they don't, they don't look cool, and uh, they shouldn't, shouldn't be worn out when you're going out for, for a night out with the Epic Camp crew. <laughs> did you do that? No, but somebody on the camp did, oh, and it really? pretty silly. That looks silly. Okay, John's special request appearance. Well, this is a big one, and it really does get me a bit wound up, is, is seeing kids in big, clunky shoes. I was out the other day with Thomas, and there was another boy that was exactly the same age as him, and he was walking quite strange, and I looked down, and these shoes he had were just ginormous and I was just like what is with that so for, for parents out there you know we're, we're talking about how slow this process has to be for, for us adults who have been you know training in, in shoes for basically our whole life but if you can get your kids to be wearing shoes as little as possible obviously safety is a bit of a concern there we're not wanting to cut their feet up but I think it'll be a massive massive difference in their their livelihood and and their sort of well-being of their their limbs further further down the track so try to get them wearing not wearing shoes as often as possible and if you are going to put them in shoes as minimal as shoes as possible I've got these little um sort of wet suity boat shoes that, that I basically put Thomas in all the time to try to help his feet develop but I think that will make a big big difference for kids it is. I just find it's a really interesting subject. You know, like it's only really been probably last hundred years where humans have really hit. Well, probably only last thirty, forty years of real shoe development. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's really interesting to see how we're kind of just going away from all this technology that was, you know, been so influential over the last thirty years to going back to basically just being natural. You know, aren't we? Well, it's like then a lot of facets of life, isn't it? I mean, we're, we're certainly, you know, in terms of uh, what people f- eat, you know, everybody's really pushing, myself included, to go back to much more of a, a natural diet and back to the caveman's fruits and, you know, lots of fruit, lots of vegetables. 
vegetables, trying to reduce the amount of processes in our lives, reducing saturated fats. Um, and this, I think, this is just another step as well. And um, you know, we're encouraging people to ride their bikes more and not use cars. And it's just, it's just uh, the way society seems to be going. But we, we uh, had it right all the way, John, and we stuffed it up. We stuffed, stuffed it up. It up. <laughs> That's right. So. Uh, yeah, there's lots. If you want to do more research on the stuff, guys, just get on the web. There's hundreds of pages of Google stuff on it and uh, lots of good stuff out there. <laughs> Sorry, it's definitely the hot topic at the moment. Okay, then, uh, sponsors. Athlinks.com. You know what I noticed on Athlinks.com? Oh, the, the video. The, the yeah, promoting. so. Yeah, it looks really we're cool, gonna be, it? We're going to be um, hopefully getting copied. I got an email from Andrew the other day. Uh, the, if you go to just go to athlinks.com and if you check it out, the outside of the page, there's a um, basically promoting the race across America, a film by Stephen Allbach. Um, it's called Bicycle Dreams. Uh, it's basically it looks like a documentary about the race across America, bike riding across America. I think you get I think it's 15 days to ride 3,000 kilometers or no, no, something. No, it's, like just, it's just as fast as you can go. And, mm. uh, but back in the old days, it's, it's a fascinating race. I think the record's something like six days or seven days. Mm. Back in the old days when they did it, they, you didn't have to sleep. And so basically guys mm. would just go as long as they could. But people ended up getting killed because they basically yeah. ride into cars. So nowadays they do have to have a sleep. And I'm not sure exactly what the period of time is for the sleepers. But, um, yeah, they've, they've, so I don't know if the record will ever really be broken because the guy who broke it yeah. obviously didn't sleep. But. It's phenomenal the speeds they do, and you can do it in a team or you can do it as an individual. So the teams' times, are, you know, the, the average speed is really impressive. But even the individual times, like if you um, Google it, the, 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 the speeds are just phenomenal. Like they'll sit mm. on close to thirty k's an hour all the way across country, and it's you know, oh, yeah. you know, like that's impressive. Mountain, that's mountain passes and everything. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And so <clears throat> it's it's just a, an amazing race. So if you go into athlinks.com, um, if you look up the top of the, the top right corner of the, the page, you can watch the trailer where you can buy the DVD. The trailer is pretty, um, pretty full on. It's pretty, pretty dramatic. Uh, it, it does look like a good watch, and we'll, we'll wait to pass judgment on it. Um, hopefully, when we get a copy of it, um, but it certainly would be a, a good another. We often talk about presents with coffees of way. This would be a good present for for somebody if you if you if you're struggling a little bit and if they're really into their endurance sports. So. Get, check out athlinks.com um, around the outside there, Bicycle Dreams. As always, on Athlinks, make sure you get on there, update all your uh, results. One thing I would say is um, a mistake that some people make is when they're searching for results. Um, if you you got along the top there, you've got results, members, clubs, events, and expo. If, you, if you're looking for your actual um, a, a race result, actually click on events and then enter in the race name. If you just click onto the on the results page, this is type your name here to find your race results. I think sometimes people think they put in the, the name of the event there and they click it and it doesn't come up for some reason. So if you're looking for a particular race, you click on events and then you enter the race name. Like if we do challenge Wanaka, enter, and it will come up. And we'll have all the different challenge one of 2010, 2009, and 2008. So, um, yeah, you click, always click on the events button uh, if you're looking for a particular race. So, I'm on the site where you've been talking about that. So, men's solo, in 1986, the guy, one guy, now, I can't, I don't know exactly distance, it's something like about three, three and a half thousand k's, isn't it? Or maybe even yeah. something like that. So, one guy did it in eight days. Nice. Eight days and three hours, basically, is, is, the rec- is the fastest time ever. The fastest speed is 15.4 miles. So what would that be, about 25, 26? 15 point, was it 15.3 miles times 1.6? case. So that's all the way across the country in eight mm. days. Um, the fastest rookie did it in 8.14. Fastest 59-year-old, 15.59. Is ten days, sixty plus, eleven days. Nice. Just, just crazy riding, eh? Yeah, it is crazy. Because oh. Gordo did it, didn't he? He rode across America, but he took about six weeks. <laughs> yeah, they did. They did not go the, the most direct route, and they were swimming and biking all the way as well. Yeah, it's a pretty wicked achievement. It, it's, yeah, it's one of those kind of really epic things. Um, yeah. So yeah, so 
Did you get that video out? I, I, I can't wait to see it. I think it'll be a pretty awesome watch. That's true. Mm. Very good. Athlinks.com. Okay, our next sponsor is Coffees of Hawaii. Let's put out their website. Let's go there, Bevan. Let's go there. Okay, we're going there. Coffees of Hawaii. World's best coffee because it comes from Hawaii and it comes from our good friend Albert. That's honestly why it's the best coffee in the world. Um, One thing that they have got recently, if you're in the States, is they've got free FedEx two-day shipping. So if you actually order it, you get free two-day shipping when you spend over $100 or more. And uh, and you still get your ten percent discount code. So, you know, after the ten percent. So if you spend hundred dollars or more after the ten percent discount has been applied. Yeah. So then you get two free to, free two day shipping. So if you're getting low on your coffee and you want your coffee it's quick, order a big bunch of it and you'll be sweet as bro. Or team up with a couple of people if you if you normally only maybe get thirty forty bucks with coffee. Team up with a couple of your mates. Each put in uh, you know maybe thirty bucks each. Get it shipped free. Then divvy it up. And one thing that Albert actually has put together is that they've put together a coffee maker collage. And what they got the, <clears throat> the people to do is if you um, had a coffee maker, you sent you through your photo to a Coffees of Hawaii, and they made this collage of everyone's coffee makers. And it's really cool because yeah. they've got some really flash ones and then some good old-fashioned budjo ones, and they've even got some bit of food here. Someone's got a few like sausage rolls or something. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's some coffees of Hawaii cups in the background there, I do notice. Nice. So, um, yeah, it's, it's good stuff. Yes, check it out. Coffeesofhawaii.com. If you're going, going to Kona this year, make sure you look forward to getting out in that boat again. And if you're feeling like a little bit of uh, easy music on the bottom right-hand corner of Coffees of Hawaii, you can uh, listen to a little bit of music from uh, some Hawaiian artists. And, and, and they give 1% back to the planet, and we like companies to do that. Yeah. And Porno had some when we were in Monica, and again, it's, it's just gold. It's gold, John. It's gold. It's gold. It's gold. It's gold. I did it too. Okay. Um, so, John, what are you up to for the rest of the week? Oh, just if you do know someone who wants to sponsor the show, um, we've obviously lost one of our sponsors, which is sad, but at the same time, it's an opportunity for someone else. Uh, we're pretty cheap, so <laughs> yeah. if you want exposure in a triathlon world, um, just email us and we'll uh, get on to you and let you know what we're doing and, and stuff like that. Cool. What am I up to for the rest of the week, Bevan? I am up to a re- fairly regular week, I think, this week. Really? I think, I think uh, one thing I am going to uh, in March that I've just booked tickets to is Jack Daniels coming out to New Zealand. Jack Daniels. He's Jack Daniels. He's going to talk to me about, is it whiskey making or bourbon making he makes? No, he's actually a very, very well-known um, American running coach. So we're having a two-day conference with him. So that could be quite interesting. Um, when you got stuff like that, that you know, because like, you, obviously you've read a lot of books on crap like that. Yeah. Maybe you haven't. But, but do, you, do you find you get a lot from it or is it just reinforcing ideas you know or...? Uh, a bit of both, you know. I mean, um, what I always find most people find is when you go to conferences, you maybe you know you maybe get four or five new things that you really come away with, and 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 twenty percent I don't know, just roughly twenty percent of the stuff is, is rubbish, and you just discount maybe about sixty percent is is reinforcing things you maybe you already know, and then you maybe get twenty percent of of new ideas and, and and different things. But you know, he's a guy who's got a huge amount of experience, so just bouncing ideas I've got off like you know like the barefoot running and just getting a few. Um, different ideas on how that's developing from from guys who've got probably a lot more experience in that area than me is, is always um, really good. So, answer your question, yeah, you always come away with a few new things, and that how many new things varies quite a bit from from time to time. But um, yeah, it's always good. Good times. Any other gossip? And other yeah, other gossip? <laughs> no, not a great deal. I don't think. I think it's a pretty straightforward week. I mean, it's, it's always good when you go away, Bevan, because we get wicked weather down here when you go away. The last few days have been fantastic, been out oh, in my pool. I, I can't complain because Auckland it. has been ridiculously hot. Like, yeah. Honestly, you walk outside and you feel like you're on an island. It's been so hot here. So, yeah, while you may have had it there, John, I can't complain because it's been pretty bloody good here too. That's good. And you've got an exciting week ahead, Bevan? Well, I'm up here. I've got my big work at night, night to work. I mean, big night at work. Tonight, and I'm all over the place, and uh, which is cool because it's 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 kind of the pinnacle of my career doing this stuff, uh, which is really great. And then I'm back home, but I'm um, what am I up to this week? Not much really. The kids are back at school, so Tyler's back at school today, which is really great. Mm-hmm. I, I rang her last night just to say, you know, good luck at school tomorrow. I said, You're looking forward to it? She goes, No, 
And I said, what do you mean? <laughs> and she goes, no kid looks forward to going back to school, Dad. And uh, so she was probably at a fair point there. Um, so that's kind of cool. Um, on the relationship front, John, we are looking at, at moving in together this year. Oh, here we go, John. Yeah. Here's, here's a dilemma. Joe and I both uh-huh. own our own places, and we're, and we're you know we're, we're pretty good with our mortgages and stuff. We're pretty low, which is nice to be place. And do you when you move in together? Do you buy a house first, or do you rent first to make sure you you, you can live well together? Uh, it's a tough one. Go, isn't go, it, John? Go, go, go for gold, Bevan. Go for gold. Buy the house. Take the house. Buy the house. Because we won't be neighbours anymore, John. I won't be just around the corner from you, you see. What are you going to move to? We go, oh, no, 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 we can't have that. I'm, I'm, <laughs> uh, you're coming to me for podcasts. I'm not biking halfway across bloody town to do podcasts. We're going to go to Rangiora. <laughs> <laughs> right, nice. Rangiora is about 40 kilometres away for anybody who doesn't know. It's a training road for you, mate. Um, it is. I don't know, it is an interesting situation, you know, because their relationship's solid and great and, and like, I totally love Joe, but you never know until you live with someone, there is that next element, isn't there? And so... Um, Part of the tree. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're still now. I think we'll probably end up buying a house together at some stage this year or maybe early next year. So things are going to the next level there. And other than that, I'm get back and set my goals. That's what I'll be doing. I'll be doing with some goals again. I'm going to look at what races I want to do this year. I'm thinking maybe doing the Christchurch Marathon again or maybe do some off-road running. I'll see you on the start line, big boy. You're doing it. You're in. I'm starting to commit to it. I'm not fully committed, but I'm probably pretty close to committing to it. Oh, maybe I will be in a bit of a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> you came me and wrote, but I have to try to beat you at the marathon. Uh, it's pretty even. It's pretty pretty even, Stevens. I think in terms of running side of things. So yeah. it's uh, yeah, neither good. of us can have any excuses. No, it'd be good times. Um, mm. But other than that, it's pretty much my week, mate. So uh, let's wrap it up. And next week. Um, we're having, hopefully getting an interview. Um, looks like we're probably going to be having Dirk Bockle on the show next week, so okay. it'll be an interview next week. Looking forward to that. Good times. I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia ka. Ka. Beautiful. Love your work. <laughs>